We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Trenches. We appreciate you for spending part of your day with us and supporting what we've got going on here at KC Sports Network. I'm BJ Kissel, joined by Tucker Franklin. Nick Leckie is on vacation, out of town, so you're stuck with Tucker and I. We're going to change up the format a little bit, do something a little different. We've got some uh, presser audio that we're going to react to from yesterday, uh, some clips from Andy Reid, uh, some clips from Trent McDuffie and Patrick Mahomes as well. And so some interesting things said, but before we get to that, Tuck, how goes it this Thursday uh, mid-morning for you? Yeah, it's going well. Can't complain so far. We're really sw- we're starting to switch those gears, right? We're starting to switch the gears from talking about the Jaguars game to the Chargers game. Thursday is that day. Thursday is the day that, you know, Thursday Night Football, the week officially starts, right, for the, for the NFL Sundays or the NFL week. I'm excited to talk about this matchup. Big game coming up. Uh, probably not as big as the NFL would have liked it to be, but still a big game. <laughs> yeah, I don't think when they flex that game, they expected. And at this point, you should just expect all the injuries for the Chargers. I mean, right. it's bad, and we'll get into that in this show. But uh, it, it was it been a joke every year, and now it's just kind of like it's more than just like a funny punchline. It's like, what is going on? didn't matter if they're in San Diego. doesn't matter if they're in L.A. now. They always seem to get hit by the injury bug for key players, uh, which – it, I know it's part of the NFL, but it always seems uh, to bite them worse than others. But, uh, but yeah, should be a fun show. I, I laugh when you say you turn the page on Thursdays. I used to say Tuesdays was that day, but now yeah, that we've got yeah. the breakdown, Matt Hamilton, Matt, uh, Matt uh, Castle breakdown stuff for us on uh, Wednesday afternoons. You can catch that audio. Uh, it's all posted on our channels right now, but they do a great job breaking down the previous game on Wednesday. So uh, we make it Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening before we transition things uh, with some great content for you. But Tuck, you ready to get into this? Because we're not doing the blind nil. Nick's not nope. here, if you like. It's not fair to him to do that without him. Uh, but we've got some presser clips. And one of the storylines that's kind of been transpiring for the Chiefs over the last several games, uh, just the running back room. Uh, I know before the 49ers game, it was you know, announced uh, nationally. I think it was Ian Rappaport who said that Isaiah Pacheco was going to start in that game. Ended up not being a huge split there. Uh, it was kind of funny when Pacheco was asked after that game when he found out he was going to be starting, and he said, I had no idea <laughs> you guys knew this before <laughs> right. I did. Uh, but 
Uh, Andy Reid had a chance. He was asked about Clyde Edwards-Helaire, who didn't get a carry uh, in the last game, had a couple of targets, didn't play a whole lot. Uh, but here's Andy Reid reacting or responding to a question about Clyde Edwards-Helaire and kind of the running back by committee approach or the split on carries here recently with Pacheco taking more. Andy, how did Clyde take his uh, lower amount of playing time the other night? And what'd you tell him about yeah. that and, and his role going forward? What I love about Clyde is Clyde wants to play. You know, so I, I wouldn't expect anything less than that. How he handled it, though, was like a pro, but he wants to play. And I would take less of him if he didn't want to play. So the, it's the way that rotation goes. It's a crazy, crazy thing because we don't go in thinking that. And, but because of the way the series worked, short series here, and he gets in for three plays and he's out. And, you know, we don't have that many three and outs as an offense. And uh, he happened to be in one of them. So it, it, the numbers got skewed. And it's kind of what happened with Pacheco, you know, before that. So, well, we're, we're working through it. And it's not because of his ability. I mean, it's not. Now, Interesting words there uh, from Coach Reed and kind of what you would expect him to say in that scenario. And you, you do have to kind of understand some of the context of, you know, when Isaiah Pacheco got a series, like extended series, and Clyde Edwards goes out there, it's a three and out. It's going to affect those numbers, but there's no doubt that they've leaned more on Isaiah Pacheco here lately. Uh, Ian Report wouldn't tweet that out unless there was some message given to him that, hey, we're going to kind of transition and give Pacheco some more carries here. Uh, but it's interesting when you look the last time these two teams met, now granted – uh, one of one carry kind of skewed these numbers, but back in week two, Clyde edwards helaire was the leading rusher for either team and includes the Chargers' Austin Eckler, one of the better running backs in the NFL. Clyde finished that game with eight carries for 74 yards, had a 52-yarder for anyone who remembers that late in the game that kind of sealed it. Uh, but Tucker, it, there's no beating around the idea or the bush here that Isaiah Pacheco is kind of getting the lion's share of the carries right now over Clyde edwards helaire Absolutely. And I mean, it's good to hear that I guess Clyde is handling it like a pro. I can't imagine that's an easy situation for him to be in being a first round pick, a first round running back getting drafted and selected and then having now a, a seventh round running back uh, come in and, and take the, the line share of the carries. We knew this was going to be kind of. I don't want to say an issue, but it was going to be something, a storyline moving forward. And when we talked about it in the preseason, when they kept full running backs on the roster, right? They knew that there wasn't probably going yeah. to be one main guy and there wasn't going to be a guy that they were going to rely on heavily running backs, a position that, you know, it, there's a lot, a lot of variables rely on what other people are doing at the running back position. And, and, I think Andy kind of alluded to that as well. Not only is it on the field, but it is with that rotation. And and I, he brought up the point about Pacheco, um, I think last game, not having as many carries or not having as many touches as, as, uh, as Clyde. So I, I think it is, I, I do see what he's saying with the, with the rotation and everything like that, but you're right. It is, it is clear that they want Pacheco to be that guy moving forward. Now it could be because maybe a contract situation, you know, Clyde's coming up on a contract. Isaiah still has a lot of time left on his rookie deal as him being a rookie yeah. this year. That could be part of it. Um, but Isaiah's played a lot better than, than Clyde has mm -hmm. this year. I like the way he runs. I like the way that he, that he carries the ball. He had a fumble, but got right back on the horse and it didn't seem to affect him after that. Yeah. I think that was a huge sign for Isaiah Pacheco in that game a couple of weeks ago um, with, that carry and what you're talking about but you know no matter what everybody on the outside says about Clyde Redzulaire and who's getting the line share of the carries who's the fantasy running back all those things 
regardless of Pacheco getting most of the carries, Pacheco is going to have a game or a series or a stretch of games where he gets a little banged up. And that Clyde edwards is going to be right back out there. And you want him confident. You want him feeling good about what he's going to do. And he's going to have moments where he has to step up or he makes a big play or a big conversion on a third and short. We saw that against the Titans game. Like it, There's going to be moments where you need that player to step up. And it might not mean a 150-yard game and highlights and box score stats and all those things. But you're still going to need every one of those guys to step up and make plays and get it done. And a lot of the the talk about the running backs wasn't necessarily last week. Last week, we just got done talking about the game against the Jags. Pacheco had 16 carries for 82 yards in that game. Clyde didn't have a carry. That wasn't just because one series went three and out that all of a sudden Clyde was going to have 16 carries in that game. They're definitely lean on Pacheco more. But you go back to the week before and you talk about the Titans game. Now, granted, their front was was their front uh, but that was the game that Patrick Mahomes led the team with six rushes for 63 yards the rest of the running backs had 13 carries for 14 yards and that has led a lot of people to asking the question of if this running back room is struggling especially after Isaiah Pacheco had fumbled it didn't take long for social media to get in there and be like what is going on with Ronald Jones that has kind of been a thing going around social media Andy Reid was asked about that uh, on Wednesday as well yeah, so Ronald's a capable player, obviously. Um, and it's the number, it, it all started back in training camp. I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. So when you, you, you kind of lose out on the spot, now you got to wait till somebody, you know, gets banged up or sick or something of that sort. And until you get in, I mean, you're not going to dress more than three of them normally. And, uh, but we feel very comfortable with him being in there too. So. Yeah, so there's Andy Reid's answer on Ronald Jones. I think it's he's under contract. He's at the back of the he's, you know, last in line right now, but if there's an opportunity for him to step up, somebody gets banged up, something happens, we want we need him on this roster to be ready to go. It's either that or, you know, do the CJ Spiller thing where you cut a guy, sign a guy, cut a guy, sign a guy, just keep him on the practice squad or keep him on the roster, I should say, uh and just, you know, wait for, you know, an opportunity for him to get in there and play. Yeah, I think so. Uh, running backs get hurt a lot in the league, and it's good to have multiple running backs that you do trust. I know he did seem to be frustrated towards the trade deadline, tweeting some cryptic tweets as players do at the trade deadline. But you got to think that this is a little bit better of a gig than what CJ Spiller had. Uh, just He's on the active roster. He's just not active yeah. on game days. Um, yeah, not on the practice squad. I misspoke there, but yeah, he's just yeah. not active on game days. It's it's interesting because I don't know how that works for contracts and everything like that or how his contract is structured if he has to play mm -hmm. in active games. But it seems like a bit more secure of a situation um, for Ronald Jones. I understand he probably he does want to play. Right. And that's not easy for a guy to sit on the sidelines and active on game days, um, but have to play. But it's good to have another guy uh, at a position that has suffered that suffers a lot of injuries that can step in at any time that you need him to. Um, I think that was the kind of the thought process keeping for uh, they've got three very capable guys. And if one of them does go down, they'll just throw another capable guy in there. I think I understand where they're coming from. In that situation. Yeah. And Ronald Jones is only 25. I just looked it up. because I wasn't sure I knew he was younger than some people would expect just because yeah. he feels like he's been around for a while, uh, but he's only 25 years old. So I understand why he wants to get out there and play. You look at his stats last year uh, in 2021 with the Buccaneers, he's been all four of you know his years in the NFL with the Bucs. Uh, last year, 101 attempts, 428 yards, uh, 4.2 you know yards per attempt with four touchdowns. So he played in all the games or appeared in all the games, but wasn't 
getting the kind of production or wasn't getting the ball as much as he had the year before we had almost a thousand yards finished with 978 and 192 carries averaged over five yards a carry. So he's only two years removed from almost being a thousand yard rusher and talking Ronald Jones. So uh, again, great guy to have on your roster. I, I would say the same thing for him that we just talked about with Clyde. There's probably going to be a time throughout the rest of the regular season where Ronald Jones's number is going to get cold, where one of these guys gets banged up. But you just talked about it's not going to be above Clyde and it's not going to be above Pacheco from what we've seen from him being kind of the lead guy right now. And the only other running back, we're talking about Jarek McKinnon. And I was just looking up these stats. Tucker surprised me. Jarek McKinnon has one less target in the passing game this year than McCole Hardman. Wow. Jarek McKinnon has 33 targets in the passing game. And Jarek McKinnon led the Chiefs last week against the Jags mm-hmm. with eight targets in that game. Now, it seems like in the second half, they're going to throw those little passes out in the flat and he's going to get eight yards in a big moment every single time or the touchdowns. He is a perfect uh, complement, uh, perfect third down back for this team. We saw it in the playoffs yeah. last year. Everyone was excited to bring him back. Uh, and you know, another guy that was excited about him was Patrick Mahomes. And he also spoke about uh, the running back situation, specifically about Jarek McKinnon when asked yesterday during media availability. I mean, he has a great understanding of the protection plan. I mean, everything, uh, that, that look that we got was kind of an unscouted look that we had gotten early in the season versus the Colts where they use one of their linebackers to pick the tackle. And then the DN loops around and earlier in the season, you might go with the linebacker cause that's technically your guy, but he passed it off like he was an offensive lineman, man. And so, um, for him, just knowing the protection plan, having that, like I said, that dog to step up and block a defensive end that's six, five, six, six, uh, 280, um, and give me enough time to throw the ball downfield. I mean, that's what it takes in order to be a great team is everybody doing their job. Um, and it's special for a guy like that to, to take on that, that job and, and do such a great job of it. So when talking about Jarek McKinnon's role, it's different than the other running backs. They're not stacked one, two, three in that way. He is the third down back uh, in that way, makes big plays in the passing game. And talking about right there, and I know that there were some breakdowns I saw on social media that Mahomes is referring to that play of him passing guys off, looking like an all-pro guard right there. That that will give you more confidence watching film with your teammates uh, as far as how confident you can stand there to be in the pocket, deliver the ball down the field, knowing he's out there. Uh, that's huge uh, for the offense. It was a it was a stunt, I believe he passed off too, mm-hmm. um, and which is incredible for a running back. And I, and there was some conversations. I think uh, Matt Lane had this had brought this point up um, with Brett Coleman a couple weeks ago when they were doing KCS an update about how sometimes chip blocks can hurt tackles a little bit. How the tackles will mm-hmm. overset and then a chip will set him on the inside, and that can help. You don't really see that problem a whole lot with Jerk McKinnon. Jerk McKinnon <laughs> passing off blocks. He's very uh, responsible when it comes to the pass blocking game. Uh, outside of the one penalty that was iffy on the low block, there's a rule change this year that they're emphasizing about inside the tackle box, outside the tackle box when it comes to those cut blocks like that. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of that, I mean, I don't think you can complain about Jarek McKinnon's pass blocking. And I think when we talked about Jarek McKinnon coming to Kansas City, that was a big thing, uh, right? Because Clyde doesn't pass block a whole lot as, as a running back. Pacheco loves to get his get his nose dirty in the pass blocking game. When we talked to him in, in Vegas, he said his favorite play in college was a pass pro rep. Uh, so that's always you love to see. But but he's young, and so you don't want to have to throw that guy out there in third-down situations and say, okay, here's a third and 17 uh, to win the game. We need you to pass pro and be the extra – be the sixth guy in on this. 
Jack McKinnon is a perfect buffer for that, and he is a perfect third down back. He runs the ball well. He can catch the ball well. Think about that. Coming as a triple option quarterback out of Georgia Southern, he's now <laughs> getting the most, getting as many targets as a wide receiver. Um, crazy the development that Jack McKinnon's had coming out of college, just bouncing all around, two ACL injuries. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love what I've seen from Jack McKinnon this year, and in and, and the couple years he's been in Kansas City. All right, so let's put a bow on the, the running back discussion. And the reason why it's obviously they were asked about it um, during media availability, thought the answers were interesting, wanted to react to those, but also looking at this game against the Chargers. Now I'm going to put this disclaimer up because this has been a thing for Andy Reid. We talked about it um, on a couple of the shows this week. We have talked about him going back to Philly of, well, this is an obvious time where we're we're going to see Andy Reid run the ball a lot more. And it rarely ever happens. And when it does, it kind of comes out of nowhere. But when you look at this Chargers defense right now and different than what they were, and we joked about the injuries before, but they just this week put two more defensive linemen on injured reserve with uh, Otito Agbanania. I'm going to butcher that name every time I try to say yeah, it. Yeah, so, a tough one. Agbanania uh, and Christian Covington going on injured reserve this week. They had already lost Joey Bosa and Austin Johnson, and they cut Jerry Tillery, yep. uh, their former first-round pick. So – if there's an opportunity and I'm, I'm kind of combining things, I'm combining the obvious, all of the injuries for the chargers and what chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric, the enemy said a couple of weeks ago with, you can't get better at the running game unless you run the damn football. He didn't say damn. And I'm paraphrasing it, but that's basically what he said. You can't get better at it unless you go do it. If there's an opportunity for the chiefs to go run the football and to try to get right, with the Chiefs running game and those guys up front in the offensive line, this could be a game where the message all week is, hey, big boys, like up front, like we're going to get after it with you guys um, on this turf field, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, but we're going to run the ball down their throat because we're talking about second, third string guys in some cases outside of Cleo Mack. They're going to be out there. They're signing guys off practice squads from the Browns who are probably going to play in right. this game. Maybe that means they're just going to get Patrick Mahomes more time to throw the ball. The first matchup wasn't like they were lighting it up statistically. Travis Kelsey was the leading receiver with five catches for 51 yards. And that was when they were fully healthy, obviously. But this could be a game where the Chiefs running backs in that running room really gets it going, which is why it's interesting that they were talking and the media was asking about the running back situation. I could see that happening this week, Tuck. Absolutely. And I, and I kind of talked about this a little bit with Ryan Tracy on, on KCS Update for Thursday. What what are the what's the What's the Chargers defense going to do? I mean, they have Derwin, Derwin James. Do they bring him up to try to stop the run? Once they bring him up to try to stop the run, mm-hmm. it's over at that point. Uh, and then you also have to factor Kadarius Tony into this whole thing of like, okay, yeah. how does he get into Kadarius Tony? Who's going to cover Travis Kelsey? There's a lot that I don't think that the Chargers defense can cover, right? Offensive scheming, offensive like game playing is about putting defenses in conflict. There's going to be a lot of conflict, I think, uh, for this Chargers defense when you talk about the backups, backups playing on their defensive line. I do think the Chiefs really do need to assert their dominance and run the ball um, and just kind of uh, run right is what uh, I know that the the the, uh, the Titans say that a lot. Run right, run left was with Taylor Lewan, but um, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see too. Andrew Wiley dealing with that elbow issue. Is he going to come back? Who's going to play? Prince played very well in his absence. Uh, Prince take mm-hmm. a go. So. Um, be interested to see kind of how uh, he develops looking at the injury report um, from there. Uh, Andrew Riley was a full participant. So on, on Wednesday, which is a good sign on Wednesday practice being a full participant. Andy Reid said yeah. he had a brace on. Um, so I think yeah. that's going to be a big factor in, in kind of how they play. They should I, we say this with 
asterisk around it, right? Make it an italic. I'm saying this in italics. They should run the football. We all know once we expect the Chiefs to run the football, they probably won't. It, it could be one of those games where they get up like 24 nothing, right? 24 nothing early, and then they try to run the football. Andy Reid takes takes foot off the gas, run the football a little bit that way. I think that would be how I would like to see this game develop pretty much. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I have to tell you about some of these strange tall boys of beer that you might see in the bottled water section of your favorite store. Well, it's not actually beer. It's a liquid mountain spring water company from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And you might be wondering, Tucker, why is it called Liquid Death? Well, let me tell you, it's because they'll brutally murder your thirst. That's right. Not only are they going to brutally murder your thirst, they are going to brutally murder plastic pollution in the process. It's wonderful with their infinitely recyclable aluminum cans. They also donate 10% of their proceeds from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. It's great. They've got four flavors. They have regular sparkling water. They've got still water, which is the mountain spring water. And they have uh, mango. They have uh, berry flavored and they also have the one i like here the severed lime i'm gonna go ahead and crack it on open and you can get a liquid death at your local target walmart 7-eleven or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store located tool at liquiddeath.com slash kcsn that's liquiddeath.com slash kcsn we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and sticking with the injuries, and that's putting a bow on the, the wide receiver conversation and obviously the Chargers being banged up up front. And when you look at the Chiefs, I see Andrew Wiley and him being able to practice is, uh, is I don't say it's huge because it looks like Prince played pretty well um, oh. in his absence, but whole different ball game when a team can game plan for you all week and a guy like Khalil Mack has a chance to go after Patrick Mahomes. Another reason why if it wasn't Wiley and it was going to be a Prince, if there's any kind of setback, maybe that incentivizes Andy Reid to be like, you know what? I'm not going to give 52 a chance to hit 15. So we're just going to run the ball down their throat. And it's actually easier for an offensive lineman. Pin your ears back, get after it. Don't worry about all the stunts and all the things they are going to be throwing at you, trying to keep, you know, the best quarterback to ever live from getting hit. Uh, we want to just get after it up front. We feel like we can win up front uh, by just running the football. This could be a game for that. But uh, if the Chiefs, and they're going to be out, obviously aspects of the passing game, the Chiefs wide receiver room is a little banged up obviously right now too. Juju Smith-Schuster in concussion protocol did not practice on Wednesday and neither did McCole Hardman with his abdomen slash illness. Marquez Valdez-Scantling with an illness did not practice uh, for the Chiefs and then not a receiver, but Chris Lamont's the other one who did not practice uh, for the Chiefs. So uh, looking at 
basically three heavy contributing wide receivers uh, for the Chiefs with McColl, Juju, and MVS not practicing for the Chiefs. Makes the Kadarius-Tony trade that much more important uh, going into this one. But uh, you're looking at guys, depending upon how this plays out, uh, especially with, I, I would not expect Juju to play just to put that out there right now. I would be surprised even if he cleared concussion protocol, when they go into that fencing kind of position, that was scary to watch and not something that I think uh, a player should come back from a week later. Talk before we get to the rest. Do you agree here? Yeah, I think it's easy. I think it's an easy no play. Um, I think it should be an automatic uh, no play if you do have that fencing response, at least for a week, um, if not more. I know that there was a lot of conversation around to his fencing response because his concussions happened. Well, concussions, I should say in air quotes, because it wasn't officially a concussion, but uh, yeah. there's still a lot to come out from that. The back uh, injury. Right. His back injury and his concussion happened so close together Two concussions in like, I think it was four days could can kill you. So I think it's a it's a very sobering thought. And it's something that the NFL, while they have done a good job addressing concussions and they did adjust the protocol after the Tua uh, incident. I think it's still something that they do need to add is if, hey, if you show any signs of a clear head injury, you probably need to stay out at least a week. Yeah. And it. The good news for the Chiefs is they've got one of the best and Rick Burkholder, their vice president of sports meta performance. We talked about it before. The Chiefs are lucky to have somebody like that. He's been with Andy Reid for so long. And we talked about it before. You rarely see Chiefs players coming back from injury and then re-aggravating an injury. They're always ready to go. So it's Rick, his staff, David, Evan, all of those guys, and Tiffany and Julie. They do a phenomenal job getting the guys ready to go. Uh, So if those three guys do not play, though, you are looking at Kadarius Toney. You're looking at Sky Moore, perhaps like a Marcus Kemp coming up. But another guy that Patrick Mahomes was asked about uh, on Wednesday is Justin Watson, the darling from training camp who's been stepping up, making plays. Here's what Patrick Mahomes had to say about Justin Watson on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, he's made a lot of big catches um, and, and big parts in games. He does a great job of blocking. Um, he's he's It's crazy. Like he, at the end, In that last game, whenever we had some guys go out there back-to-back, he was kind of telling guys, hey, you go to this position and you play, take Juju's role, you take Marquez's role. And he knows every position on the football field, and he just wants to get go out there and have success. So uh, uh, having guys like that and, and, I mean, like that we have in the whole receiving room now, uh, I think we'll, we'll be fine of just going out there and executing the offense. So, again, we're connecting dots here. Chargers defensive line banged up. Chiefs wide receivers banged up. Right tackle, kind of iffy. You know, he's a full participant, but dealing with something. The recipe is here for the Chiefs to run the football. But if they do need to make some big-time plays, we've seen from Justin Watson that in big moments, Patrick Mahomes is not afraid to throw it to Justin Watson or Noah Gray or any of these other guys in these high-leverage situations if the defense dictates that they get the ball in that scenario. Specifically against the Chargers, too. Uh, he had that big catch. Uh, we, it's a play that we highlighted a lot on the, on the breakdown. I think we've talked about it twice because we talked about the best plays during the bye week, and it was one of those that the Chiefs schemed up a way to help the pass protection to slow down Bosa and Mack and with the, the way that the inside guys released and Justin Watson goes out and makes a great catch. I believe it kind of iced the game uh, for, for, the, for the Chiefs. Put them ahead, at least, I, I think, in that game. Um, can't really remember uh, specifically, but it was a big play for Justin Watson. Patrick Holmes trusted him through through the ball deep. I'd be interesting to see the uh, personnel groupings. Maybe, maybe the Chiefs run with a little bit more thirteen personnel. They throw all those tight ends out there. Jody Fordson getting healthy again. Noah Gray. So maybe say, okay, we feel a little bit more comfortable with our tight ends. Let's run with you know Justin Watson run as our one the damn ball. <laughs> 
PJ, I'm not there yet. I'm saying they're still going to figure out ways for Patrick Mahomes <laughs> to throw the ball. They need to run it, but you know they're going to throw it. You have 35, 40 times. <laughs> it's the wide receiver segment. We're still talking about run the damn ball. If yeah. there was ever a show that Nick is going to be upset oh. that he missed, it's this one because all the signs are pointing to the Chiefs running yeah. the football. Uh, here's one, Tucker. Do you feel that Isaiah Pacheco will get 20 carries in this game? Ooh, we said no. an over under of 20. All right. What's I'm, the over under got to be for you to, to stall at least a little bit. What about 16? He had 16 last week. 16 is probably good. 16 is probably a good number. I think 20 is high. Um, 16 and a half. Make it 15 and a half. And I'll take the over. Um, I think it's so, between 16 and 20. Yeah. I think it's going to be closer. I think 20 is too high. I don't I don't think that Patrick or I don't think Andy Reid will run the ball 20 times. Now, depending on if the Chiefs come out and have like a quarter like they did against uh, the Bucks in what was that 2021 where they came out and had a historic scoring half of like yeah. yards and everything like that. I think that could kind of skew things, right? If they get out to such a big lead early, they'll have a lot of carries. Um, but I don't I don't I don't I'm not Better ready. Run. Not Here's a better one. So not just on Pacheco, but just the running back group as a whole. Okay. 21 and a half. Mm, that is a good line. Um, and that, and, and I don't know yet. I'm thinking through this as we do this, whether or not we're going to count like the jet sweeps, like the McColl getting a jet sweeping going. Cause that's considered a rush or Patrick Mahomes scrambling So much man coverage as they're playing sets itself up for. Yeah. Mahomes I don't know a little if... bit. I don't know if I would count Mahomes carries. Um, I wouldn't get, yeah, those are not designed, but designed runs. Okay. And we'll keep the jet sweeps in there. I don't know okay. how many they're going to do because, yeah. Well, Tony Darren James could shut that stuff down, but yep, Kadarius Tony. And it's an extension. Like, it's kind of like running the football, but it's kind of like, you know what? We're still going to get our guys on the outside and try to make a big play. Right. But we'll count those 21 and a half carries for the Chiefs in this game, not including Mahomes scrambles. I'm curious to how many plays they were in the last time they played the Chargers. Probably like around seventy something, right? So I, I think I th- I'll go. I'll go with the over. I'll feel optimistic. Uh, you fifty four plays last time. Okay, so they're in fifty four plays against the Chargers. So you're saying that they're going to run twenty? So twenty two would be the over. Twenty two run plays to thirty something. Thirty something. Thirty two run play pass plays. Yeah, yeah. I'll like, take that. I'll take the over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take the over. I think this could. It might not be like all of a sudden they come out and run the ball 25, 30 times and it's a 50-50 split, but I definitely think that that percentage uh, will be higher or more skewed towards running the ball than we've seen so far this season. So wish I had those numbers in front of me of what the the closest has been. Some of those get skewed if they're up by a lot and they start running the football a lot at the end. Right. Kind of like what we just talked about with Clyde, uh, having the 74 yards on eight carries. One of those was a 52-yard carry. Uh, can't always take those out because those big plays tend to happen and those have to be counted over the long period. But uh, yeah, let's flip to the Chargers side, talking about their receivers being a little banged up as well. Uh, I saw this stat on social media and I apologize. I can't refer. I don't remember exactly who put it out there, but Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, the two top receiving targets for the Chargers have only played 60 minutes together so far this season because they've both been pretty banged up and injured uh, at the same time. So 60 minutes combined, they've been on the field together. 
And it looks like at least for Mike Williams, I saw a tweet from Lindsay theory, I believe uh, covers the chargers said that when they asked if he was going to play, he said, maybe with a big smile on his face. Uh, so basically saying like, he's going to play Keenan Allen, maybe be a little bit different. He tried to come back and got re-aggravated and said, I'm not coming back to like a play a full game. I'm not going to put him on a snap count because it didn't work last time. They tried to do that, uh, which was I think three weeks ago. And then he'd been out the last couple of weeks. So Mm -hmm. uh, they're banged up. What does that do for the chief defense and these young DBs talk? I'm really interested to see with the young DBs versus this wide receiver, because the last time these two teams played a pretty big piece of this defense (laughs) It wasn't playing in Trent McDuffie. Um, so I'm excited to see what Trent McDuffie can do. Um, Mike Williams is kind of everything that Trent McDuffie isn't, right? When you talk about a long guy who's kind of tall, Trent McDuffie's a little shorter, shorter arms. I don't think that that will be the matchup, right? I think Jerry Sneed obviously will go uh, with Mike Williams. But if Keenan Allen comes back, I'm very interested to see how Trent McDuffie covers that, how Joshua Williams, how uh, Jalen Watson cover those guys because – that secondary's been playing well. Those rookies have been playing well. Um, this is a this is a test with a with a banged up uh, line. I think Josh Palmer's also banged up a little bit. Uh, one of their like number three or number four wide receivers, um, DeAndre think, Carter. Yeah, DeAndre Carter. Okay, uh, yeah. so I, it's hard. It's going to be hard to take anything from this game, right? Because they are so banged up. But I am excited to see what Trent McDuffie can do in a divisional game, uh, and, and that maybe this is the game he gets a goal line interception, right? Because it's uh, he's due. Listen, we can make excuses about the injuries, and sometimes there's things you control. Sometimes there's things that you can't. But you know, Rick Burkle, like I bring Rick into it again, but like Rick and his staff, like they're very much a part of the football organization. They help with wins and losses, getting these guys healthy and back out on the field. And so the players aren't the only ones winning these championships. The coaches win these championships. The support staff helps win these championships and being the reason why the Chiefs are so successful you have to include the support staff and all those people behind the scenes that might not be the ones scoring touchdowns, but they're the ones taking care of the guys who are scoring the touchdowns yeah. and getting them on the field and make sure when they're injured, they get them healthy and they get them back out there. They're very much a part of this. They get a Super Bowl ring just like everybody else. They're at the celebration. They're on the parade uh, doing all that kind of stuff. So yes, uh, I'm not going to feel bad that, the chargers don't have all their guys because the chargers would not feel bad if the chiefs didn't have all their guys. It's just, you play the cards that are dealt. And at the end of the day, the best team, best season ends up mattering. But uh, you brought up Trent McDuff. You didn't obviously play in this last game. Uh, It was Jalen Watson, the other young cornerback who made a big play uh, in this one that we're all going to remember for a very, very long time. But Trent McDuffie uh, actually had a really, really good uh, quote uh, with an answer during his media availability on Wednesday. Let's play that. Talking with all the rookies, especially the Fab Five, I think a big thing that we like to do is just show who we are and prove to everybody that we can do this. Um, I think a cool thing that the rookies have started to do is put a lot more trust and confidence in the vets, in the vets that they can trust us and that we're able to make plays on the field. So for us, it's fun to be out there with everybody. Like on third downs, we have a package where there's four rookies out there. When I look back and see Brian Cook and Jay White on the other side and Josh, I'm like, how cool is this that everybody I came with, everybody who's learned the same lingo, we all taught each other, is all out there. I mean, it makes the game so much more fun. The Fab Five, Tucker. I hadn't heard that reference yet for that group, but that is Brian Cook, Josh Williams, Nazi Johnson, Jalen Watson, and Trent McDuffie being the five rookie draft picks in the secondary for the Chiefs. And uh, I love that quote, Tuck, but the more context that's given to this, Chiefs at times in those dime packs, they're putting four rookies out there. 
this is a defense and a team that is one of the two or three favorites to win a Super Bowl, number one team in the AFC right now. And they took and revamped their secondary and their defense with a lot of young players. And I would say they haven't missed a beat because there's going to be little hiccups. We've seen some of those so far this year, but they're getting it done, still being the best team reloaded with a completely different group of young guys. They're going to play together for a long time. They're obviously getting along, giving each other nicknames and stuff. <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. I don't know how else to say it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah. No, it's it's super cool and it's one of those things uh, preseason we talked about like, hey, let's temper our expectations a little bit, right? Let's uh, make sure that we give them some room to grow. There's going to be some bigger hiccups. We thought that it was going to come out and the, and the Chiefs' defense was going to struggle. I know me personally, I can only really speak for myself. I thought it was going to be rough a couple few weeks, uh, those first few weeks throughout yeah. the season. Uh, it really wasn't. And that's what's kind of so crazy about it is, uh, you know, they've played some teams at, at some opportune times, but Steve Spagnuolo has been really in his bag this year. Uh, coordinator of the year, should he be in the conversation? Maybe. Uh, but will he be? No, he probably won't be. But, I mean, he's yeah, he's in really We good. talked about it, remember? Like, he didn't like, he liked veterans. He didn't like young players because yes. they didn't necessarily understand the complex uh, defense that he was running. And I, I made the point too, Tucker, because I know I started butt in here, but like, I was one of those people that was like, don't, there are going to be hiccups with a young defense. There's going to be those learning experiences early in the season. And by the time you get to the second half, second, the last third, I should say, of the season, those guys are going to have so much experience under their belt. They're not going to be thrown a lot of things. There's going to be unscouted looks and things they hadn't seen before, but they're going to get a huge learning curve. So as long as they stay confident and they stay in a learning mode and not a, oh, I screwed this up and all these people were watching and they're supposed to be the favorites and I'm the one blowing. Like, that is not part of this deal at all. They are on the same page. Like McDuffie said there, they're learning together. They learned the lingo together. And yeah, I hadn't heard that yet. I'm sure they're looking around the NFL. There's a lot of coordinators with some teams that have surprisingly been very good. They could be in that conversation. Uh, The Chiefs have been pretty consistently good. But for at least here locally, Steve Spagnuolo deserves a ton of credit for how well he has this group playing with so many rookies, uh, to your point. And looking at Justin Herbert, speaking of, you know, expectations of the season, Expected Justin Herbert, they're talking MVP consideration. I mean, he was being put in those upper echelon tiers. And I don't know if it's the the rib injury that he suffered against the Chiefs that he kind of played through. It's been lingering. You talk to the beat writers, beat writers and the people down there saying that it's still kind of an issue. His last four games, only four touchdowns with four interceptions. Um, yeah. They've gone two and two over that stretch, whether it's the injury or just he wasn't quite quite ready to be put on that pedestal uh, consistently. We don't know, but the end of the day, and I know we've talked about it before, Brett Coleman, uh, who I talk with every Wednesday, big fan of Justin Herbert. Uh, he is making throws in Patrick Mahomes. We don't have that clip, but one of the things he said is that Justin Herbert makes throws that even does, he doesn't think that he could make, and yeah. he's going to flash those plays but he still is making some mistakes and isn't quite the player that a lot of people had projected him to be going into this season. 14 touchdowns and six interceptions for Justin Herbert on the season. Um, mm-hmm. That ratio is a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, 
different than it has been in years past 38 and 15 last year, 31 and 10 uh, in his rookie season as he was kind of thrusted into that role. You have to think that the rib injury is a lingering thing. Um, I know it's a deal where he like can't hurt it worse, but also it's like a pain management type of deal. We kind of talked about it with Josh Allen in the same situation of his is a pain management type of deal as well. Uh, you hate to see, Injuries to young quarterbacks to, to good players. Um, we talk about the Chargers having injuries all the time. I mean, you don't hate you hate to see injuries at all because BJ, we've had this conversation. We're at the point now where we want every team's best shot. Like we want yeah. them with their best players, and for sure, it's it's not fun to see you know Justin Herbert, a guy who is a top five quarterback in the league to some people, uh, have a down year and, and struggle with a with a seemingly with an injury. But I, I want to go back to that McDuffie clip. Because I think something's very interesting. What he says in that is the rookies trusting the veterans. Uh, because you think about a lot of the veterans trusting the rookies, but they have to reciprocate that trust, right, uh, uh, back to the veterans as well. And that's something I don't think we think about a whole lot. Of like, okay, trusting that the veterans trust them is is something that I think has been uh, been key uh, with McDuffie. Uh, you know, Justin Reed's been a big part of that secondary as well. Uh, we don't talk about him a whole lot, which is Maybe a good thing that we don't talk about Justin Reed a whole lot, but uh, I, I think that he's been a very good welcomed addition to that secondary when it comes to the veterans. But yeah, um, really love what the rookies have shown uh, so far this season in that secondary and the just the, the whole revampedness of the defense is, is exciting uh, because they do have so many more years together. Yeah, obviously a lot of this has to do. I'm looking at some numbers for Herbert uh, to put a bow on this one as well before we move on to the final segment, uh, but his yards per attempt, uh, Four weeks ago, last four games, it was Denver Broncos 4.2 yards per attempt, Seattle 5.7, Atlanta 5.7, and San Francisco 5.6. And you look at the first six games of the season, or excuse me, the first five games of the season in comparison, he didn't have a game below 6.7 yards per attempt. And again, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, who he's throwing the ball to is going to matter. Mike Williams, guy, you just throw the ball up. He's going to go high point it and jump ball over somebody. Chiefs fans have seen that plenty from Mike Williams during their matchups. Uh, but it's definitely over the last four weeks been something that has been an issue for them. So if Mike Williams is back, expect them to push the ball down the field. But if Mike Williams doesn't play in this game for whatever reason or isn't 100%, that's been kind of the thing that's not that big play offense that you'd come to expect, uh, especially from a guy with the arm talent uh, that we see from uh, Justin Herbert. But if the Chargers have any chance of winning this game, it is going to be Justin Herbert delivering the ball down the field and keeping up because they're not going to stop the Chiefs from scoring. They do not. They're too banged up on the defensive side. I don't see a scenario in which the Chargers can win this game and not score at least 26, 27 points. It's going to take at least mm -hmm. that many uh, to win this one. It goes back to the original point I bring at the top of the show. The Chiefs don't turn the ball over. I don't know, unless it's a special teams thing, whole different yeah. discussion we could do an entire podcast on. Uh, but in general, if the Chiefs don't turn the ball over, I don't think going possession for possession, the Chargers can keep up with the Chiefs. It's probably an obvious statement at this point and probably case for a lot of the games the Chiefs play, but I just don't see it happening. The line for this game is set at six. And I don't know if that's enough. Um, uh, six points. Yeah, it, it, it has. Half. Yeah. Um, so it's it's at six now. I'm looking at kind of some of the uh, some of the trends and and on our friends at DraftKings, you can see kind of the percent of money who's who's placing more money where. 
Uh, more money are placing it on the Chiefs. 69% of the money is where that's at. Um, so I think that's interesting uh, with, with that with that line, uh, six points. When I talked to Ryan Tracy about it, he thinks that at 16 is probably more uh, of a better line when you start to look at these two teams, how they stack up. It's a shame that uh, kind of is going to be this way for this game. A big game in terms of the AFC. If the Chiefs do win it, they they all but lock up the AFC West when you look at how many games they have left they yeah. still have both games against the Broncos left um which is kind of crazy to think about that the Chiefs could kind of they not officially un- they could unofficially lock up the AFC West without I, I called it a Broncos I called it a de facto AFC West championship they're gonna have yeah. a three game they win this game as a three game lead in the division uh I don't see them not I don't see a team like the Broncos all of a sudden figuring it out after they already kind of get, they traded their best second best defensive player. Patrick Sertan jr. Is their best defensive player, but Bradley Chubb uh, trading him away uh, was kind of a waving the white flag to me. It was kind of like an oopsie with the the Russell Wilson trade, which is going to be fun to talk about as a chiefs fan for the next few years, because he's going to be there and he's going to be their quarterback. So it's going to be something might have a new head coach. Uh, but definitely going to be something to talk about. I don't see a team catching the Chiefs. If the Chiefs win this game, have a three-game division with a tiebreaker on the team in second place. Broncos have three wins right now. The Chiefs would have eight. Like, right. I don't see it happening. Well, it's a three-game lead with, I believe, seven games left. Um, so, I mean, three with seven left with with the, with both wins against the team in second place. Might as well just give it to him right now. Mathematically, they won't have it clinched, but I mean, it'd be hard. It'd be hard pressed to otherwise. And then all you Chiefs content creators out there, now's about the time you can start going and collecting all of those clips from back <laughs> in free agency. Go start keeping all those receipts, put those together, start organizing all of that because the content coming out when the Chiefs win the division is going to be legendary uh, across Chiefs Kingdom. I will do my part. Uh, to go and find all of these, I've said I will be insufferable when they win because of all the amount of shit talking that was taking place uh, around teams within the division, fans of the Raiders, the Broncos, the Chargers, doing everything they could, emptying the piggy bank per se in free agency, and they still can't get it done. And f- basically failed in like historic fashion in a lot of ways because of the amount of resources they put in uh to making these moves and you talk about Devonte adams going to the raiders and what's happened with them they're and, broke now uh, they're broke they're cutting all their player like it's a mess uh over there uh with the raiders but yeah let's let's move on uh to the final segment this one uh is kind of fun kind of interesting because it's been kind of a thing you've it's kind of like the players all got together and was like, hey, we're going to make a point to talk about this. Saw Cooper Cup uh, with the Rams for his injury, uh, which now saying that out loud, I don't know if there's anything to do with uh, where it's being played. I saw that injury. I don't think it it didn't have anything to do with the turf, I don't believe, no, um, because he tweeted this before that. But guys talking about not wanting to play on artificial turf and playing on real grass. Now, Andy Reid was at, we'll start with Andy Reid's comments. Uh, when he was asked about turf versus grass. Let's run that right now. This was yesterday during media availability. A different health and safety issue from concussions, but SoFi Stadium's turf has been in the crosshairs a lot. Mm. Where do you stand on artificial turf, natural grass? Yeah, listen, I mean, I, I prefer natural grass. I, you know, I've, I've listed all the studies, the density studies. Um, I've seen all the different compounds that they put into the, 
I still like grass, you know, natural grass. The way our league does it, I mean, I've seen some fields that I'd probably go, you know, let's go artificial on, but uh, for the most part, the guys that take care of these fields in the league do a nice job. And uh, the grass fields, I'm saying. And, and the turf, I mean, they make it as good as they can possibly make it with the turf, uh, with the artificial turf. But I would prefer regular, regular grass. Got a definitive statement from Andy Reid on a question there from uh, AP's Dave Scaretta with a great question that leads to a lot of really good conversation across the league uh, with some stuff that we talked about. Some players have been talking about DK Metcalf's injury with the Seahawks uh, seems to be somewhat turf related. And a lot of it has to do with SoFi stadium and this billion dollar stadium, having this crap turf that has getting players injured and Chiefs fans probably very familiar with the new Heights podcast, the number one <laughs> football podcast in the world. Uh, pretty much the second that it came out with Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey, and they were both pretty adamant uh, during their show talking about it, about what they prefer. Let's run that clip right now from Travis and Jason Kelsey's show, New Heights. All NFL games should be played on grass fields. Take care of your players, man. It is a joke. I hate playing on turf. I think it's silly. The ground's harder when you hit it. More concussions happen on turf because of how the players' helmets hit the ground. Some cleats grab more. Some cleats sit on top of the turf differently to make it more of an unstable surface, which puts more pressure and like strain on your joints. And scientific. Okay. I do not play around with this shit. I count every single game preseason how many games I got on turf just so I can mentally prepare. I'd rather practice in sleet, snow, thunderstorm with a chance of getting struck by lightning than to run inside on the turf. In college, I loved turf. I preferred turf. High school, I thought turf was the coolest ever. You felt so fast. And then you'd slide on it and it would rip the entire first layer of your skin off. <laughs> I just wish... That we knew how Travis Kelsey really felt about Turner. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, uh, no veiled statement from Andy Reid or uh, Travis Kelsey there. And the NFLPA was kind of was running a campaign on Twitter, hashtag safer fields. Uh, if you follow the NFLPA on Twitter, I'm sure you saw this because I, th I believe it was the, the Saturday before last Sunday. They were retweeting a, a bunch of just player tweets that with hashtag safer fields, just getting it on the timeline. I, I this has been an issue for a long time, right? I believe I saw somebody tweet out that a big reason that Arrowhead has turf now is because of Joe Montana when he came to Kansas City in what year, whatever year that was, 93 maybe. Yep. Um, and look at that. That was off the top of the dome. Not a baby. And, uh, Nate Taylor, Taylor. Friend, friend of KCSN. Our that's Tuesday, right. Tuesday guest on KCSN update put that out there. I didn't, I've never heard that before Neither. until he put that out there. Yeah. No, I thought that was very interesting that he said, no, I, I want to play on natural grass. They said, all right, yes, sir. We will get you a natural grass field. So, yeah. You hear people talk about it with SoFi now. I had never, the stadium that I always heard people in the field was Indy. That was the one that mm -hmm. guys hated playing on. If you remember the game a few years ago uh, where Alex Smith got his head hit and it was going to yeah. be a concussion. And they said it was an ear thing, um, which a little strange at the time, but like that had everything to do with that turf. I know guys hated playing on that. And for anybody who's ever been up to training camp or everyone who's been to the Chiefs practice facility, we knew that Andy Reid didn't like turf before because they don't practice on field turf. They've got a field turf field at the Chiefs practice facility that they do not use for anything except when like they do the flag football, like youth stuff, and the kids come out there and they use that field to run around. They have grass fields that they practice on, and the other one just kind of sits there. 
It's one that Mitch Holtis walks back and forth on doing his walks, watching practice uh, during OTAs. That's basically Mitch's field at this point. Mitch and the flag football team's <laughs> field. I used to walk over, like walk back and forth with him talking about uh, whatever we had going on or, you know, storylines, whatever it was. But they have that. And anyone who's ever been up to training camp, they use it for like the play 60 stuff. The mm-hmm. stadium field is turf at Missouri Western. And I think maybe Reed's first year is before I got there in 2013. They used it for like a night practice once because yeah. it set the record for most people at a training camp practice. And that's why I always knew when they keep track of like when have we had the most people that it was never going to surpass that because um, because they, they use the stadium for the they one didn't. and they've never done it again. The entire time I was with the Chiefs, they never used that field for players uh, because they don't want players running around on turf. And Travis Kelsey just explained why. Yeah, it's it's the, the point he made was funny uh, of like in high school, you love turf. Like you loved playing on turf in high school. You're like this, this is the coolest thing ever. But like after you play that game on turf, you're like, that wasn't actually very fun. Now I've got burns on my stuff. I was an offensive lineman, right? I was cutting people and my Jersey was popping up and I've got burns all over my stomach because I'm cutting people. So it's like, yeah, it's cool in practice, but like, it's not really that fun to play on. Like it's, it's yeah. and then you got the turf pellets everywhere. The other one I remember, and I think they've gone to grass since then, because I think they fixed it right after this, but Arizona uh, a number of years ago, we played there. I remember walking around with Dave Tobe. uh, It was actually Anthony Sherman before the game, and they were looking at the seams down. And I think I even took a picture and like tweeted it out. They were like, yeah, go ahead. Like, put them on blast. (laughs) Like, this is bad. Um, Walking around, and they were like, they were getting officials over looking at it. It was was awful. I mean, there were – three to four inch gaps on the field between the hashes where the seams weren't coming together. And it became such an ordeal pregame that game that I think they went ahead and fixed it right away, but there's no excuse for Cronky and those guys with some of these fields. And I think Arizona now there's a few teams that are a few places that do it where they're literally like, take the like in the domes, mm-hmm. they'll take the grass and like put it on some rollers and like sit it out in the I sun know. and then bring it back in before the game. So it's playing on real turf. I think, uh, the Raiders new stadium, I believe does. I could be wrong about that. I think they do that. Um, but for Crocky in a billion dollar stadium, knowing that maybe it's a few hundred thousand, whatever it is, I'm just making numbers up, but uh, they've got to take it to Kelsey's point, take care of your players. And it's a horrible look for the NFL and all the money that they're making that these kinds of storylines and players will come out and speak very openly about take care of us. Like this is bad. Yeah. I think what's really interesting, too, I saw some of these tweets that, that are coming through is NFL stadiums are very quick to, okay, a European soccer team is coming to 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 play in a preseason match. Let's make sure that they have grass. They're quick to do that. But once it comes to their actual playing surfaces for the team that they host, ah, turf is fine. Soccer players won't play on turf. I mean, obviously, yeah. um, they don't they don't like it. And. The, basically, what's happening now is players are saying, we don't want to play on turf. Uh, we yeah. want to play on grass. And I'm sure we'll see some some field changes within this offseason. Yeah, or Shakira concert. You know, all kinds of reasons <laughs> that uh, <laughs> all kinds of things that pop in. Uh, but luckily for the Chiefs, they're obviously going to have grass out on their field. But Travis Hogan, the the system that they got oh, underneath. Yeah. I, when I was at the Chiefs, I wrote an article uh, once on like the heated field system that they had underneath. Uh, that because you go down there and even when like everything's frozen and all of that, like the grass is, let's say it's warm, but it's soft because they turn those heaters and those heating coils underneath the field. Um, 
and the water, like the tubes, like we sent pictures out. You can go back and find them on social media of the system that the chiefs have it underneath their field. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, how much effort goes into that. And the Chiefs did that with an older stadium at Arrowhead. And you build these brand new stadiums and you can't do anything similar. Like right. it, it's it's a bad look. But uh, what's not a bad look is we appreciate everybody for spending uh, part of your day with us listening to this episode of Outside the Trenches. Tuck, what do you have uh, before we say bye to everybody? Um, I just want to say thank you to Five Farms, uh, Charlie Hustle for supporting us with some oh, yeah. uh, great merch. Uh, BJ's wearing the hoodie. I'm wearing the shirt. Uh, go check that out. Link in the description below, whether you're watching on YouTube or the podcast. Got to make sure that you go uh, get that the hoodie. Incredibly comfortable. I The yeah. only time I've taken it off was when BJ and I are wearing it at the same time. <laughs> um, that's the only time I take it off. <laughs> Yes. No, we appreciate uh, that. And yeah, it's, it's good weather for a hoodie. It's a good weather for some hot chocolate and some five farms. Uh, if you, if you like drinks, like your coffee, hot chocolate, throw a little five farms, Irish cream. It's not been bashful about saying this, even going back to before five farms sponsored this show that it's my favorite product from holiday distillery. I absolutely love it. You know what? Not even planned. Always got some not too far from me. So go grab that. That's what it looks like at the stores. You will not be disappointed. I promise you. Uh, but we appreciate, again, you for spending part of your day with us. Please hit that like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or follow us on social media. And uh, for everybody that's hung around to the very end of this show, we've got a couple special announcements coming up over the next couple of days. I'm going to leave it there. Say we got some cool stuff coming up. Uh, ones with the foundation and uh, maybe adding some new channel the old network we'll have that announced here for the next 24 hours or so so anyway appreciate you all have a great day and uh, we'll have plenty more content getting you ready for chiefs and chargers on sunday night